Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. We happy to be in the house of God. Amen. It's getting hot, isn't it? I, I see some of y'all with the with the you know the little fans that you make. It's it's get it's getting there. We're we're there. Um, but praise God, man. God is good all the time. He's good. Amen. Uh, how many of you guys like these, these screens behind, behind us? They look, they look fire, right? Um, they're not ours. They, they're not ours, but they could be uh, one day with the, for the, I would say, a small fee, but it's not a small fee. Uh, but yesterday, uh, we hosted a night of worship for, for a good friend of mine. He's planning a church, and they're doing these gatherings once a month. And... Um, so, so they, they rented these, uh, these screens and I, I, I know I'm, I'm friends with the guy that owns the company that rents these out. And so he was like, Hey man, you can keep them Sunday free of charge. So praise God. Amen. Um, this is what could be. Amen. Uh, but I, I want to just a, a couple of announcements before we get into it. Um, you know, I know a few, a few weeks ago, I kind of updated you guys on, on the parking lot where we're at with that. Um, so we're, we're about a month out until, till we get that, that parking lot and amen. Now it's, it's, uh, if, if you were here for the update, you kind of know that it's, it's not going, it's not going to be the full concrete slab. Um, we're, we're doing, we're going with crust concrete, but we just, we need to solve that, that issue now. And it will. And I'm, I'm believing that one day, uh, we are going to get that parking garage because that's really all that's going <laughs> to suffice. So, um, but but there's still an opportunity to give, you know, if there's these last minute little expenses that come up, um, we want to be able to co- cover all of that. So we want to thank you guys for anyone who was able to give to that to that project. It was it's uh, been a headache and, and thankfully we're going to get we're going to get on with it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Um, let's get into the word. First of all, again, happy Father's Day to everyone. Thank you. All, all, I mean, dads, thank you for what you do for your family, for your kids. To my dad, you know, I already already said everything. In the video, so you know, see the video. But uh, but I, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. You know, my, my I thank God for my dad because, like like I said, uh, he modeled Christ in his in his life. And um, because he modeled Christ, I know what it I, I know what it looks like to model Christ in my life. Um, you know, growing up, we, we again we didn't talk that much. We didn't talk. We're we're both men of few words. And so when you bring two men of few words together, there are like no words, right? Um, and so they'd be, they'd be entire car rides, man. We, we would just sit there in silence and uh, not even the radio on, right? I mean, we'd go two hours just not saying anything to each other. And we were cool with that. Like, we were fine with that. Um, I think that's just the dynamic of certain father and son relationships. When we needed to talk, we would talk. And today, you know, I love our conversations that we have. But, you know, in my teenage years, we, we hardly ever talk. But um, I'll, I'll tell you that. You know, his actions spoke louder than a thousand words ever, ever could have spoken in my life because he didn't just speak Jesus. He, he modeled Jesus. And at the end of, of the day, the most important thing that we can do for our kids is that point them to Jesus. We're not always going to have the answers, but you point them to Jesus. At the end of my life, I don't want my children to ever long for my advice when I'm gone. I don't want them ever thinking, what would dad say 
about this. I want them to know that I would always tell them, seek the wisdom of God and the, and, and the spirit of discernment. Seek the Lord through his word and surround yourself with people that, that love you and that are godly. Right. That's I, I want them just to just know my God, uh, my dad, he might not have the answers, but he would tell me that the, there is an answer found in Christ. And so um, I want them to know that. And that's the matter of being a priest in your home. Amen. Men and women, we are we are priests. We're supposed to be priests. And, and the reason that Eli was rebuked by God was because even though he was priest by profession, he failed to be a priest to his children. And so, you know, we can get up on stage and, and we can lead people to Jesus. But if we're not doing that with the people that we live with, if we're not speaking Jesus in our very home, we're doing something very wrong. If I can pray for all of you and I can, I can be attentive to every one of your needs and I can answer my phone at all hours of the day, but I can't be present for my family and pray for my family, there is something that we're doing wrong. And so I want to shout out all the dads that are that are trying. You're trying to be godly men. You are trying to be the example of Christ in your home. You're not always going to get it right, but you at least try. And I'm going to, I'm going to attempt not to punch you in the gut today, men of God. You know, I I think (laughs) we've had enough father's day where it's like, Oh man, I feel so bad about myself. Right. It's, it's time to, 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 to encourage you. I want you to leave here today encouraged by the word. And so I want to take you, uh, this morning to second Timothy chapter three, Second Timothy chapter three, and we're going to begin with verse 10. This is the apostle Paul. He's writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he's in prison. And Paul is Paul's on his way out, man. He's going to be put to death soon. Um, you, you can go ahead and stand. We're going to we're going to we're going to read the word while we stand. But just to kind of give you a little bit of background, some of you might not know who the apostle Paul was. Paul was believed to be a, a threat to the kingdom of Rome because everything that was on the lips of Paul was kingdom of God related. And so that went contrary to the kingdom of Rome, right? Rome thought that their Caesars were gods. And so Paul was all about the kingdom of God. He was all about Christian living. And we credit Paul uh, for much of the doctrine that we have uh, to, to live as Christians. God helped, uh, uh, God used Paul to establish the Gentile church, um, but the Gentiles didn't know how to be Christians. They didn't even know how to be Jewish. And so there was a lot of of worldly living that they had to get out of. And Paul, he was um, he was very uh, intentional about that through his letters and calling them to be imitators of Christ. And so Paul had a a, a disciple uh, named Timothy. Uh, Timothy oversaw several churches. So Timothy was a pastor. And so this is what he says. Paul to Timothy, verse 10. It says, you, however, have followed my teaching and my conduct and my aim of life and my faith and my patience and my love and my steadfastness and my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, which uh, persecutions I endured yet from the Lord, from them all, the Lord rescued me. And verse 12 says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life uh, in Christ Jesus will be persecuted uh, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, 
equipped for every good work. Now, I want you to go real quick down to ver, uh, verse six of chapter four. Paul is saying um, he's saying his goodbyes. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word, my God. I thank you. Uh, for these these men of God, these women of God, Father God, every every believer, my God, in this room, Father, I thank you for what you have done in their life, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that, that this word would speak um, to your people here today, Father God, that it would convict us, my God, inspire us, encourage us, my God, and lead us to righteousness. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be on my lips, my God, and that we would be open to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen. Praise God. The title of my sermon today is trying. Somebody say trying this morning. Come on. Anybody just live their life just trying? You're just, I'm just trying to get by. I'm just trying to make it past this day. I'm just trying to get it past this Houston summer, right? Come on. And this message is, is, you know, it's for mothers as much as it is for fathers, you know, as well as anybody just doing their best to live righteously. You know, last month at our men's retreat, uh, I've been talking about the men's retreat since we left because um, it was awesome. It was beautiful. And probably the, the greatest moment of the entire event was that that bonfire experience. You know, we had like 30 guys all around the fire. It was 11 o'clock at night. You know, it was late. We were tired. We were sleepy. We were sweaty. We were getting bit by mosquitoes. But but this was a moment of, of breakthrough for so many people because nearly every man opened up. And got vulnerable and got into their feelings and and even cried together. And ladies, I don't want you to get the idea that we just get together and cry. We don't that doesn't happen. Men don't just get together and cry. But this this tells you how how special this this night was, because we all shared our our struggles, our life struggles, things that we deal with, spiritual struggles. And and we got men to be accountable for other men. It was beautiful. And you know what? One thing that I. I saw from every man present, I, I, I noticed something that night. There was one thing that stuck out. I mean, I, I saw, I mean, I saw men failing. I saw men struggling, men in pain, men also hopeful and encouraged. But one thing that I saw from every single one of them were men just trying, trying. I saw a genuine desire from men who wanted to be better for their wives. Men who wanted to be better dads, men who desired to be closer to God and to be worthy priests of their home. I saw men trying, struggling, but trying, beat by life, but trying, constantly in spiritual warfare, but trying, always working, but trying to be present, always struggling to pay the bills, but always trying to bring home the bread. Always trying, always, always being tempted, but trying to overcome men trying. And, and I don't, I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's almost as if the Holy Spirit whispered this, uh, to me several years, uh, several months back. I hadn't forgot what he said, man, because, you know, men are often so we're hard on ourselves sometimes, man. And, and nobody knows about it. Nobody knows about it because we don't, 
A lot of times we don't we don't open up even to our own wives about what we're going through and what we're what we're facing. And and, and you may never know. Um, you may never know it, but but guys are hard on themselves. And because we see our failures, I know how much I fail. I, I, I sometimes I'm the only one who notices my struggles before anybody else sees them. And so many times we don't share these things because we're already our biggest critics. And there was a there was a day sometime uh, back. I, I I was just kind of in my emotions, man. I just felt I just felt like I was failing in life. I don't know if you've ever felt like you were just failing in life. Like you just go through a day where you're like, man, I'm just not on it today or this week or this month or this year. Like I was I was I was in that moment, and I was just being hard on myself. And and I I know that this was the Holy Spirit because if it wasn't the Holy Spirit, I would have kept just beating myself. But he said, what makes a man is not what you accomplish, but the fact that you try. That's what makes a man. Now, that's not what we think as men. And we're not trying, we're not talking about like making it to heaven. You don't want to just try to make it to heaven. You want to make it to heaven. Okay. You got to be successful there. You got to win there. But like practically speaking, what makes a man isn't a successful career or your thriving business where your family never has to worry about finances. It's the fact that you always tried to provide. Down to your last breath, you made sure that, that no matter what the case would, uh, was, your, your children were always going to have a meal to eat. You, you tried your best to make sure that they were always going to have a roof over their head. They were always going to have clothes on their back. Even if you never bought clothes for yourself, they were going to get some new clothes every now and then. That's trying. What makes a man isn't being the perfect dad. It's not being the perfect husband. It's not always having the right thing to say, but it's the fact that you care enough to try. And for 33 years that my dad has been my dad, I have seen him succeed. I've also seen him fail. I have seen him stressed. I have seen him struggle. I have seen him cry. But I can honestly say that I have never seen him not try. And that's what I want my kids to say about me that dad never stopped trying his best for his family and for himself and for the Lord. Now, when it comes to the spiritual aspect, trying means that you are doing everything that you can to make sure your family stays faithful to the Lord. You hear me? Got a little quiet this morning. Men of God, women of God, trying means that you are trying to make sure that your family stays faithful to the Lord. You are encouraging them with the word. You are speaking life to them daily. You are, you are surrounding them with a good community of believers. You are bringing them to church. You can't control their salvation. You can't control uh, if they're going to say yes to Jesus, but you can try your best to make them know who Jesus is. And one thing that I, that that is, that has helped me, um, I've had to learn over the years, is that life is not a performance. Life is not a performance. It's survival. Somebody needs it, but you ain't getting it today. Life is not a performance. Christianity, Christian living, is not a performance. It's survival. Spiritual survival. And if, if you have a family, it's making sure that your family makes it past the finish line as well. Paul tells Timothy, I have finished the race. I'm hot. I want to take this off. But I don't have an undershirt 
Can I tell you something? My wife is always telling me, no. <laughs> Should I say it? She's, <laughs> she's always telling me, nobody wants to see their pastor's nipples. <laughs> uh, I'm going to keep it on, okay? But I just know that I'm, I'm sweating up here. <laughs> Let's get back on track. <laughs> Paul says, I have finished the race. I have finished the race. He tells Timothy, I've finished the race. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. What? So if we think of race, uh, of faith, like a, uh, like, like a race, this is, I want you to get something because a lot of times we treat Christianity like a performance. And so if we're thinking about the faith as a race, well, what if I don't know how to run very well? What if, what if I've got bad knees? What if your form is just ugly? You know how some people just run weird, right? Like, what if you're too embarrassed to run? Because Pastor Ryan's going to make fun of you, you know? I'd never make fun of you to your face. <laughs> well, what about when you run? You're, you're tired. You, get to, you, you, you take 20 strides and you got to take a break because you're, just, you're not used to running. What if, what if on your run, you're carrying your kids with you? You're bringing them to church. You're doing Christianity with them. What if you're carrying, you know, the, the weaker members of your family who are weaker spiritually? What if you're carrying a lot of baggage on your race? That makes everything so much more complicated. And this is real talk this morning because there's people who run this race, to, to use Paul's analogy, and they're not proud of the way that they run it. Maybe if I had less to carry. Maybe if I had more training, maybe if I had the right schooling, maybe if I, I, I had the right shoes, the right clothes, maybe if I had less baggage. And I think for too long, churches have put out this idea that you have to be the perfect Christian, that you have to run the race perfectly with perfect form. And that's just not the case. And I think that's what stops so many people from running the race. Because I can't do it as well as so-and-so. Because I don't got that beautiful form. Because I can't go three miles without stopping. I might as well just not run the race. And so you have people who just stop trying because they think the race, to run the race, you have to do it perfectly. We have created a culture. I'm going I'm to I'm preach a little bit to the church. We have created a culture where we expect Perfect Christians, but not even perfect Christians to God's standards, perfect Christians to Christian standards. And can I tell you that the perfect Christian in in, in Christian standards does not exist because what's perfect to you is not perfect to someone else. To one Christian, you you take your spouse dancing, you might as well, you know, your your father's Lucifer. Come on. Real talk. I mean, this is this is this is it. Right, some Christians don't know how to be Christian because they feel like if they're themselves, they're going to get crucified. To, to, to one Christian, you take your children trick-or-treating, bro, you might as well leave them at Satan's house. <laughs> leave them there. If you have a sip of wine, oh, your, your name is erased from the book of life. Permanent ink. If you miss church on a Sunday, you're backsliding. And look, there's going to be all kinds of things that Christians disagree on, and some things are going to be worse than others, and we can have healthy conversations on a lot of these things, but so many times we add our own obstacles to the race of faith. And if we're doing that, we might as well be the Catholic Church with all the extras that it demands from the laity. And so because of all of this, we have this idea that we have to be perfect in the eyes of the church. Church. 
And we stop trying to be perfect and holy in the eyes of God. And we try to please the people that we come to church with. And it's exhausting because people will never be pleased. And if you're trying to run the race for people, you will end up quitting. Because you're going to realize that it's not worth it. That's why I love the moment at the men's retreat. Because one, once one man saw another man's struggles, his guard was down. He was like, oh man, you struggle with that? Let me tell you what I struggle with. And it was like a domino effect. And every, I mean, we went, we went, we went deep, man. And, and I just, I got to thinking, like, how many of us show up to church on a Sunday thinking that we have to perform for Christians? We have, to, we have to look our best and dress our best and we have to be on our best behavior and, 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 and we can't let people know that we're struggling or if we do let them know, we can't let them know how deep the issue is. And if the issue is sin related, we sure can't let anybody know. And I want to tell you today that the Christian race is not a televised competition where you have to outdo someone else with the way that you quote scripture and the way that you do ministry and the way that you speak in tongues. What matters is that you genuinely care enough to give your entire self to God. And when you fail, because you will fail, you get back up because as ugly as that run of yours might be, you are going to finish the race. You hear what I'm saying? You got to finish the race, not for, not for the Christian folk, not for the church folk, but for, for Jesus, because he's the one who matters and for your family. And so that means if you're running that race and your, your family is trailing some three miles behind, you have to slow down to let go. You have to let go of some responsibilities. If your family is trailing off, you better stop saying yes to everything at church and tell, tell your pastor, pastor, I can't do this right now because my, my family needs my attention. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't do it. That's what it means. Because to be a man of God and a woman of God means that you're trying to finish the race, not just, not just for yourself, but you're going to try to bring your entire family across that finish line. And if I'm just always serving in church ministry, but my family is suffering, try, try for God, try for your family. To be a man means that you're trying. I don't think it's by coincidence that they sang that song. Because it's like this, it's like this anthem. It's like this uh, you're self-motivating your spirit. Come on, my soul. Come on, my soul. Don't, don't get shy on me. Realize that there is a lion in these lungs that wants to praise the Lord. That wants to say Hallelujah. And I don't, I don't have all the words and I don't have all the skills and I don't have all the degrees and I don't have all the scriptures to quote, but what I have, I'm going to give to you because that tells you that at least I'm trying. And that's what God wants. To be a Christian, to be a believer means that you are trying to live a life that models Christ. You're trying to be holy as he is holy. You're trying to love your neighbor. Even your enemies, come on. You're trying to get closer to God. You're trying to avoid temptation. You're trying to manage your household in a way that honors God. You are trying. You're trying. You might not always succeed, but you're trying. You might, you might fail one day, but you get up the next day and you say, okay, today's a new day. I'm going to try again. 
Will you stumble? Absolutely. Will there be days where you don't even talk to God? I hope not, but probably. Probably. And none of this is an excuse to do so. But what matters most, church, is that you just, you try. Don't give up. Don't give up. That's what, you can't give up. When you stop trying to live for God, that's when God gives you over to what your heart desires. That's a dangerous place to be. If you're still struggling, that means you're still fighting. Paul said, I fought the good fight. It is a fight. But the moment you give up, you're no longer fighting anymore. The word, the, the word says that God gives people over to their desires, to their flesh. And, and you might wonder, well, why, why does he do that? It's, it's because when you determine that you are going to live according to the flesh and not according to the spirit, you're essentially telling the Holy Spirit, I don't need your help anymore. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He's the counselor. He's the parakletos, right? When you are trying, when you are no longer trying, that means that you're giving up. And the Holy Spirit will not help a person who does not want to be helped. This is why it's hard for counselors to counsel people who don't want the help. It's hard to pastor people who don't want to be pastored. It's hard to teach people who don't want to be taught. And so the Holy Spirit will not help you, will not lead you into righteousness if you have decided to stop trying. But as long as you are holding on and you are saying, God, this is a new day. I sinned so badly yesterday and all my life is like a mess, but I'm still holding on to you. There is hope because the Holy Spirit is the helper and there is power in the Holy Spirit. Don't give up. You got to keep trying. Ooh, it's hot. Nah, nah, I won't do that to y'all. I'm wearing a white shirt. Now, when I was reading through the text, I identified three points I want to give to you real quick. Three points that I think will help cross that finish line. Still with me? Okay, this is, this is real practical stuff, so, so stay with me. Uh, chapter 3, verse 10, again, it says, You, however, have followed my teaching and my conduct and my aim in life and my faith and my patience and my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my sufferings. So the first thing that we notice is that Timothy had a mentor. Everyone needs a mentor. Men, you need a mentor. We need spiritual fathers. We need people who we can learn from. doesn't matter if they're older than us or younger than us. We need people whose, whose faith we can model after. Surround yourself with people who, who have what you lack. Now, I want you to also hear this because I, I think a lot of times we, we confuse the two. Surrounding yourself with the, with the Christian community and, and having good uh, godly friends who have a positive influence on your life and going on double dates and hanging out with individuals, right? That's all, that's all good, but that's not mentorship. That's not mentorship. I'm not saying you can't learn from your friends, but mentorship is a, an intentional relationship. I, I don't know this, but I, I really don't think that Paul and Timothy had lunch together as friends. I don't think they went to hang out at Chipotle, right? I don't think that they played golf together as friends. There was a very intentional type of relationship where one was mentoring the other and the other was learning. I, I, have, a, I have a lot of pastor friends. I have very few pastor mentors. I have two pastoral mentors that come to mind. And there is a difference because pastor friends 
we'll be hanging out. We have a good time. And, and, and they want to tell me about all the great stuff that's, you know, God is doing at their church. And, and they might ask, you know, how things are, how things are going at NUMA. And that's great. But a pastor mentor wants to know what's not going well for you. What's not going well at your church? How, how are you doing as a pastor? What are your struggles? I don't want to hear your highlight reel. I want to see your struggles. What is going on with your life? So that I can offer some perspective and some insight. There's a difference between friends and mentors. You need a mentor. And this is all practical advice, man. I'm not blowing your mind right now. We've all heard this thousands of times. But how many of us can honestly say that we have a mentor relationship with somebody? This is so vital, man. So vital to to your growth. And and honestly, it'll it'll probably cut much deeper than a once a week Sunday sermon that you're going to listen to. Spend time with someone who you can learn from. I have a couple of people that I that I meet with regularly and we just kind of talk about life and we go through the word. And I'm happy to do it with anybody, a, a man, a man. OK, but I'm, ha- I'm, I'm I want to make myself available. Even my wife and I, we talked about making ourselves available to any 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 couples who just need some type of spiritual accountability or 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 uh, mentorship. Like, I don't want to just preach about it. I want to be about it. And so we're open to that. And there's pastors and leaders all around this church that are open to that. I mean, it's so vital. Everybody needs a mentor. The second one is perseverance. Paul says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Somebody say, will be. be. Yeah, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from who you have learned it. So Paul is saying, in this life, you will endure hardship. It's going to happen. We're going to have moments of, of, of highs, and we're going to have moments of lows. And then we have moments of highs again. And we have moments of lows again. We never arrive. Only when we get to heaven. We're always dreaming about one day. One day is going to come and it's not going to look like anything you thought it was going to look like. We're always going to struggle with something. And so specific to Timothy, Paul was telling him that that he was going to be persecuted. We're probably we we might not be persecuted um, for our faith like Timothy was. Thankfully, we still live in a country that allows us to practice our faith and, and come to church and post Bible verses and Christian content all over the internet. I'm, I'm thankful for that despite the state of our world. But even if we're not persecuted like Timothy was, we will still struggle in our faith and we will be exposed to evil and deception. And, and, and on our faith journey, some of us might get tired. You're going to get tired of, of being preached to all the time. You're going to get tired of saying God is good. When life, when life isn't, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have intentionally not said all the time when we've, when we've done the mantra in here, God is good. You're like, "Mm, I don't, I don't even know if I could say it. That's okay. That's real. Right. And even if you are saying it, sometimes you don't even believe it. Sometimes we sing songs that we don't even believe. Like let's, let's not pretend like it isn't hard to worship God sometimes. That's the reality for a lot of Christians. Let's not pretend like it's, like, like, it's, like it's easy to give everything that we have to God. Let's not pretend like the flesh doesn't want to have its way and does many times. But you can't quit. You can't quit. you got to get up as long as you are trying, as long as you are holding on. 
You can finish that race because the helper has not left you yet. And you don't have to run, like I said earlier. It's not a competition. You don't have to look good when you do it. Maybe you started off really, really excited. You were going to win souls for Jesus and you were going to conquer the world. And you were, you were, man, you were going as fast as you could. 100 miles an hour, you were running. And then you were like, oh, maybe I got to slow down. Let me, let, me, let me do a light jog, right? Let me do a light jog. I'm still good. I'm still good. I'm pacing myself. And then something else happens and, and you're like, oh, God, Whew. I got to take a break. I gotta, I'm, I'm still going forward. I'm still going forward, but I'm, I'm not going as fast anymore because I've got, some, I've got some baggage. I've got some problems that I'm dealing with. I've got, I've got a, a husband or a wife that is, I mean, our relationship is not very good right now. And then, and then, you, start, then you start to get on your knees. And now you're just going, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on my knees because I, I'm barely making it. And then you get down and you don't have anything else to give, but you're still moving forward, man. As long as you are on that race, there is movement and the Holy Spirit is going to help you. You don't have to have the best form, but persevere. Don't quit. One of my favorite verses. Oh, I got to fix myself. I'm good. One of my favorite verses is James 1.12. Love James 1.12. Write it down. Highlight it. It says, blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised for those who love him. Blessed is a man who remains steadfast. Blessed is a man who perseveres. Blessed is a man who doesn't quit. Life is full of trials and troubles and temptation and failure, and for Timothy, it was going to be full of persecution. But God, uh, Paul said, as for you, continue in what you have believed. I, I appreciate Paul singling out Timothy. He says, as for you, because as, a, as important as a good mentor is, only you can continue in your faith. No one else can, can make you cross the finish line. Even your parents, you know, I think this is one of the hardest parts about being a parent. We want our children to make it past that finish line, but we can only do so much. At the end of the day, it's, it's up to them. And I can, I can preach to you And we can't mentor someone who doesn't want to be mentored. And we have to know that being faithful to God, it's hard. It's not easy, especially when life is hard. We're we're going to go through seasons of life where we feel the warmth of God's presence. We're going to go through those, those times. And it's like blessing after blessing. Anybody in a season of blessing right now? Come on, just testify. Dang, nobody's in a season of blessing. Man, I've got to change up some sermons, man. We're going to just live Come on. There, there's some times where we're living in a blessing. And, and, and maybe we can complain, but we're like, that's just, I shouldn't complain. I don't, I don't need to complain. Those, those moments come and go. They come and go. Sometimes we're, we're great. Sometimes we're not. And you're going to have those moments where it's like, man, God has just been so good. God's been aligning everything. You're going to feel anointed and affirmed and confident. To face the day. And then there's going to be other days where I think all of us are today where life makes you believe the opposite. And there's going to be days where there, there's days where I feel distant from God. But you know what's worse are the days when I feel like God is distant from me. That's the worst, man. Like, I know that if I feel distant from God, it's because of something that I've probably done. I, I, I've I've been distracted. I haven't talked to him. I haven't, I haven't sought his presence. It's something 
I, I, I distance myself. But then there's other times, man, where I'm all in. And I'm in the word and I'm seeking God and I got the worship music on and I got the, the tears and the mocos coming down. I mean, God is I'm like, I'm like, God, hear me. And like, I feel like David where where David said, why do you hide your face from me? I'm here. And all I hear people say all the time is if you just seek God, he's going to be there and I'm seeking you and I can't even find you. I feel that sometimes. And you're going to feel that sometimes where you're doing the work of God. You're doing everything right, but it feels like God isn't. There And I, I wonder if, if, if Paul felt that way, if Timothy felt like that, that God wasn't always there with him all the time. I mean, even the disciples on the boat with Jesus in the midst of the storm, they doubted the peace of his presence. They were so frantic and, and quick to criticize, like, Jesus, are, don't you care about our lives if we die? Those feelings will come even from the, the most devout Christian. Paul says, but as for you, you have to continue. And what you have believed. Key word there is to continue and believed. Don't let the current circumstances change your belief. You hear what I'm saying? Don't let the the current storms change your belief. Don't let the current bad change your mind to think that God is bad. Continue to believe. That if he said he was never going to leave you nor forsake you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Even if it feels like you're abandoned. Continue to believe that God is good even when the circumstances are not good. Continue to believe that he loves you even when you feel damaged and discouraged. And even when you have messed up horribly. You have to believe that the faith is worth keeping so that you continue to try. If there's if there's one message I want my kids to pick up on is that even though it was difficult sometimes. Even even when when there was sickness and even when there was death, when my wife's sister passed away and and it was a very trying time, even when discomfort comes, even when moments of I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills comes. I want them to see that we kept persevering. That we didn't doubt, that we didn't take a leave of absence from our faith because things got tough. Like, like I want them to know that no matter what came, we were going to be at church on Sunday praising God with everything that we have. I want them to know that dad was going to remain in the word and study the word of God. I want them to know that even when life wasn't good, God, dad and mom were saying God is good. I want them to see parents who persevered. The final point, so just a recap, a man or a woman of God who tries to run the race will seek to to have godly mentors and will seek to persevere through any type of suffering. And finally, will set foundations. I'm going to have the worship team come up. Verse 15 says, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. You can't run the race without the truth and direction of God's word, church. And if there's anything I want you to get, it's, it's this. Like this, this is the foundation. This is it. This is the foundation. And I don't want to re-preach my sermon from two weeks ago about abiding in the word. But, but this, is, this is what trying to be a man or a woman of God looks like. 
Because you're not going to know how to imitate Christ if you don't know who Christ is. You're not going to know how to treat people if you don't know the heart of God. If faith is like a race, then the word of God is like our map. Without it, we have no idea where we're going. We don't know what to expect. We don't, we don't know what the terrain's going to look like. We don't know anything. This sets the foundation. Hearing it, perceiving it, discerning it. And you might not under, understand it always when you're reading it. You might not always know what God is saying or what God is doing or where God is taking you or why he's allowing something to happen. But when you know who God is and when you know he's good and you know he's sovereign and he desires a relationship with you, when you know those things, you know that you have to at least try to abide in his word. Sometimes I'll be reading um, instructions on, on how to assemble something. Y'all, y'all have heard this thousands of times. Like, I don't, I don't like reading instructions. I'd rather, if there's like a QR code to a YouTube video on the instructions, that's, that's it, man. But I don't like reading the instructions, so I'll, I'll, I'll open the box and I'll see all these pieces. And before even trying to go to the instructions, because they're like 10 pages, 20 pages long, I'm like, maybe I can figure this out by myself. And so I take a piece and I take another piece and I try to bring them together and it doesn't work. And I try it again. Finally, I, I tell myself, you know what? There are instructions for this. Like, if I just take the time to read it and learn it and understanding, understand it, even if it's boring, even if I don't always get it, I can possibly turn this mess into something complete. And it's the same with our faith. Can I, can I tell you that you are not trying, you're not trying to live a godly life if you no longer try to abide in his word. And there's, there are people that I run into sometimes that, that have a poor interpretation of the word and, and, and they use it to make a point that the Bible itself doesn't make. And man, if I ever had a pet peeve, that's, that's one of them. I can't stand when people try to feed me something taken completely out of context. But you know what? I at least give them some credit because at least I see that they're trying to understand the word. At least they're trying to live by it. There's people that are so zealous for the word of God, man, and, and they, they preach irresponsibly sometimes. I'm not saying that's, that's not a good thing in any way. Some people need mentorship. But at the very least, they have a foundation that says, okay, this is the word. I know I have to live by it. I would rather have a dad who quoted scripture out of context than a dad who never knew Jesus. Please study the word. This is not, Pastor Ryan is not saying I could take scripture out of context. Study the word, know the word. But my point is that men of God, like your family just, it just needs you to try. It needs you to try with everything that you have. That's what it means to be a man. It means to work. And it means that when you don't know what to do, you're going to try to figure it out. You're going to try. I still remember a day when I, when I called, I called my dad and this was, I mean, we were in the struggle, man. We were in the struggle back in the day. And I remember getting home one day and I called him. I said, dad, we don't have light. It was hot. And I knew that we were struggling. And I just, I, I thought, man, 
If I call them and I tell them this is going to stress them out. But as simple as this is, maybe it's not an impactful story to you, but like it resonates still with me to this day because I understand what it is to be a man because of him. He says, he said, okay, I'll figure it out. (laughs) That was it. And we hung up for men a few words. Dad, we don't have light. All your family needs you to do is try. Try. When you don't know how, try. When you don't know what, try. Because that's what your kids are going to see. My dad, my mom, they always tried. They didn't have all the resources. They didn't have all the money. They didn't have all the answers. They didn't have all the degrees. But they had a perseverance. They tried. This is what trying looks like, church. And at the end of of my life, I want to be able to say what Paul said. My departure has come. I have fought the good fight. The Christian walk is a fight. You don't come out looking pretty. Maybe this is why God decided to give us glorified bodies because people are getting to heaven. You're like, oof, you're looking rough. That's, That's what it should look like. We should leave this life having fought. We should leave this life with scars. And we're going to have scars and we're going to have bruises and, and we're going we're gonna to experience seasons of, of loss. But you got to try, man. I want to finish that race. I want to get to the end and say, I finished the race and I kept the faith. Every day was a different battle. Every day was a different monster. Every level was a different devil. But I went through it all. And some days I lost. And some, some weeks I was down for a long time. And, and it was almost as, as if I was in a spiritual coma, not, not thinking that I was going to make it. But I kept on trying and I kept the faith. Men of God, women of God, keep the faith. Try, try, try. I want you to stand with me. And I want to go back to that bridge. This, 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 this awakening of our spirit. It's an anthem to ourselves. It, 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 it's us preaching to ourselves. Come on, my soul. Don't get shy. Don't give up. Sing with everything you've got. Even if it's not much, offer a hallelujah. Can we do that this morning? And I want to open up the altars if you need a moment with God, if you just need it. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.